1: Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Naiman.
0: Good. the guy with the gun
2: welcome to firing line radio this is rick travis development director for the california rifle pistol association filling in for the amazing the great the wonderful philip Neyman, your host of hosts he's out this week and so you have myself along with several wonderful guests from the northern california portion of our state to talk about where things are at so with me today. From the Solano County Sheriff's Department, I have Deputy Joe Pinder. I have from the California Rifle Pistol Association, our wonderful lobbyist, Mr. Roy Griffith. And I also have our wonderful biologist who helps us with basically is the jack of all trades in the state. And that is Mr. Nick Vela. And today we're going to be going through current events going on in the Second Amendment. We're going to look at CCWs, legislation, hunting. It's gonna be a smorgasbord of how you can be involved, and even in these dark, horrible times of COVID-19 and everything else going on in our world, we're gonna tell you why you should be hopeful because we are winning, we are growing, and we are pushing back. So, gentlemen, welcome. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, <laughs> good to be here. So, you know, breaking this week, on Thursday was the news that the National Rifle Association was under attack once again by the New York Attorney General's office and the Attorney General from Washington, D.C., trying to go out and dissolve the NRA. And uh, I want to get into this a little bit, but I want to open up with folks do realize that there are three important takeaways from this. Number one, these Attorney Generals are going after the National Rifle Association because it's something that has fought very hard and very successfully to do, and that was to get President Trump elected. And so this is part of the elitist left movement to remove the president from that office, and they're trying to go after any organization that has the ability to push votes. That should let you know that your vote does count because for them to go after the NRA in this way, shows you just how desperate they are. And I say that because, yes, from what we've all been told, it seems that the leadership, the upper level leadership has made some very poor choices, but they're not the only nonprofit to have ever done that. And you don't see attorney generals going after those known nonprofits in the global news media like they are the NRA. So there's more afoot here. But the last takeaway I want to make sure everybody realizes, I, Roy, Nick, Joe, all of us on this show has spent decades working with the proud members of the National Rifle Association, their field staff, and many of the people who have dedicated their lives for very little money to fight for your rights, to fight for your programs, to do incredible things both here in California and nationwide. And by no means should they be maligned, distrusted, or put down because of the actions of a few at the top in this show that is going on. So guys, What are your thoughts
3: on this? Oh, Rick, I couldn't agree more. I I appreciate you hearing you say that. There are some incredible worker bees that I'm honored to work with the NRA, and I'll continue to work with them, and they'll, they'll survive this, and we'll only grow stronger for it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Joe, we have you on. Obviously, you're active duty law enforcement. And it is just amazing to me to watch how the media and especially the left is exploiting this because obviously, you know, attorney generals represent the law and we have to wait to see where the, the case goes. But it seems like the court of public opinion is already being shifted pretty hard before we actually ever get into a courtroom. Well, a lot of it's based off just what they get off of media.
4: You know, if they actually talk to people and kind of get a better understanding what they're doing, it changes
2: perspective. So we just got to get the word out. Couldn't agree more. I think uh, one of the things that we're going to see is people get discouraged. Do not get discouraged because what is happening as a result of this is, you know, the NRA – Um, Wisely has worked with many, many different organizations, both at the national level and all sorts of genres from competitive shooting to hunting, and they've worked at the state level. In this state, um, I'm very proud to say California Rifle Pistol Association is celebrating their 145th year, but they're also the oldest state association to work with competitive shooting and training with the NRA. We've done that for 145 years. No one has done it longer than us. And, uh, we are picking up the slack in the state. We are picking up the slack when it comes to funding lawsuits, legislation, working in campaigns, working with sheriff's offices on CCW programs and training throughout the state. And so, uh, just because right now the NRA is having to fight for its very existence doesn't mean that we're unguarded. The rest of us have picked up the slack are continuing to not just pick up that slack, but to push back. And, uh, one of those things I want to start to talk about a little bit and pushing back would be uh, legislation. So, Roy, we had some good news this week. Do you want to share some of that? Yeah, I know one of the best news this
3: week is one of the absolute crap bills that uh, Senator Portantino was running, and referring to SB 207, that would have devastated uh, youth camps throughout California by requiring basically the lodging, of the camp to to meet state building requirements. In other words, you remember the good old days we all experienced as kids sleeping in tents and, you know, canvas-sided tents at camps and beautiful old lodges that we had meals in and roast s'mores over a fire that go back to the literally the turn of the century, uh, and all these things would have been done away with. Camps would have just been impossible unless commercially run by larger organizations and they would have had to close our shooting programs the very exposure to these kids in their in their prime in their youth that carries on the conservation values that we all love and plants that seed for life to make them Maybe not become hunters, but at least believe what we believe and, and vote in our favor. Those very camps were threatened by SB 207. And, and united, we put the stake through the heart of that bill and not just us. When I say we, I don't mean CRPA. I mean CRPA working with NRA, uh, gun owners of California, California Waterfowl, Nashville Turkey Federation, all of us united, Safari Club International all came out against that bill and, uh, and we we defeated it for this year there there was just an outcry of opposition against that bill, and only one group that was in support of it. you know again, just an overkill you know the a senator using a machine gun to take out a gnat, you know one little problem in his district that had become a giant fundraising effort that would have just you know taken on the world so we defeated that, and um you yeah, know Roy, got I to I our
2: on some I want to hit on that for a second because. You know, on SB 217, we we got that. It was a gut and amend bill. I talked about it on Phil's show a week ago. And in a very short amount of time, in addition to all those groups you said, you know, I heard that coming out of Portino's office, there were over 200 groups that came together. And that is one of the things that CRP has become very adept at, is we didn't just stay within the 2A community. We went out and talked to athletic programs. We talked to faith-based groups up and down the state that have you know, church camps, synagogue camps, um, mosque camps, things like that, all over the place. And we brought a coalition together of people that was multifaceted that stretched well beyond our normal community. And you know what? Not one group, when we were reaching out, ever said, oh, I don't want to work with the California Rifle Pistol Association or these hunting groups. We all united as one. And that's what gave us the power to stop this. And I think that's really important that people understand it. Roy, You do an outstanding job of bringing in, you know, the the Hunting and Conservation Coalition, and we support you with bringing in other people. And this achieved a victory in a very short amount of time.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: It it happened overnight. It was a sleeper because uh, Portantino staff kind of assured us that the bill wouldn't carry this year. And you tell me how the heck that is COVID-related. They've all been given marching orders that bills have to have a nexus to covid or California economic recovery, and it was just nothing more than a local senator issue turned into a giant fundraiser. We were also in early on, back in January, in discussion with the senator staff about um, getting exemptions for nonprofits and the small groups that we so heavily rely on, and we were kind of assured they'd work with us and that would be there. Then boom, out of nowhere... This bill just appeared robust, alive, and clicking its way through the committees. And like you said, Rick, we just gal- gathered that coalition almost overnight, and the California Waterfowl took real leadership on this because of their wonderful camps they have throughout California, you know, serving our youth. And we got behind California Waterfowl, and, and many others jumped on board. And, and uh, we let it clearly be heard that not in our state, you know, we're not taking on our youth. And... And um, it felt really good to have a victory.
2: Good. So one of the things we're going to be talking about in our, our next segment, folks, is that, you know, a lot of legislation gets put up, and we all get frustrated when something gets across the board. But we're going to be examining a couple of the pieces that we're fighting down to the wire right now. And we're going to talk about how they impact you directly, why you need to get out there and call your local representatives. And most importantly, what we're already prepared to do to be able to continue this fight because the CRPA does not quit at any point in the fight. We fight down to our very last breath. We do it 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. We're always fighting for you. And we're going to help you to learn how to fight back with us when we come back to this next statement.
0: AM590, the answer.
1: This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside.
0: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! Every week on the Firing Line radio show, our conversation's going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights, and all the crazy things that happen in California too our citizens that that enjoy the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Now, our faithful companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been our longtime sponsor, Vince Torres of Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Now You've heard me say it before, but if you're not armed for protection or recreation, shame on you. Head on over to Bullseye Sports in Riverside where you need to go for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, big arms, accessories, and much more. Now, after you purchase that firearm, we highly recommend that you take a certified training course. Get the basic knowledge, skills, and attitudes essential the safe use of your firearm for more information about the certified firearm courses called bullseye sport in riverside 951-823-0211 951-823-0211 bullseyesport.com. they believe in safety first say hi to vents and have a great day
2: welcome back this is rick travis development director for the california rifle pistol association filling in for the great phil naiman today And we're talking about legislation this year. We just got done talking about our victory that we had spoke to you a week ago about a gut and amend bill. But that's not the only gut and amend bill that has been placed here. And with me in this segment are both Roy Griffith, the CRPA's outstanding lobbyist, and Deputy Joe Pinder from the Solano County Sheriff's Office to talk about another one of these interesting bills that looked one way at the beginning of the season and morphed. So Roy, We started off this season, we have another gun amend, besides the one we just talked about, that's AB 88. Tell us about how that came about.
3: That's a budget bill, Rick. That bill started its life, supposed to deal with dollars and cents and appropriate spending. and had absolutely nothing to do with the Second Amendment.
2: Wait, wait, wait. So at the beginning of the session, when all these bills came out, this wasn't on your list to watch? I mean, it wasn't like, hey, this is a Second Amendment bill, a hunting bill? And anti anybody that believes in the Second Amendment bill? Absolutely not. Way out
3: of our wheelhouse. Just a government spending bill. This is a action bill. This is not a bill that would normally go through any of the committees like public safety uh, that we're concerned about. Because there's no red flags. You know, just you know, it was just clicking away through the track uh without anything
4: to do with the second amendment. Wow.
2: So, yeah, then what, happened? What,
3: is,
4: of what exactly
3: do, are they doing to us? The Department of Justice have this laundry list of fixes that they wanted to get done, plugging loopholes, as they call them, and loopholes that they created. So, they plugged into a budget bill that we in no way have the access to to voice our opinions, to speak for our members about our concerns. And uh, this, this bill now has a big chunk in it. And in addition to dealing with prison reform, Pages and pages of stuff that we don't give a hoot about. Plugged into there is this little pile of stuff the DOJ wants to sneak through to redefine assault weapons, to basically go after one particular assault weapon that they feel, uh, You know, and I'm using the air quotes when I say assault. We all know what that means. It's a, a firearm that they want to keep Californians from having, legal everywhere else in the nation. And then, secondly, it advances the Implementation of the Precursor Parts Law, which, honestly, we all know the DOJ's track record on getting anything done in a timely manner. They had till 2025 to get that figured out. Well, this pushes hey, that up Roy, to 20- Roy,
2: I think a lot of our listeners aren't going to know what the term "precursor part" is. Yeah, uh, well,
3: we don't either. <laughs> <laughs> A precursor part is that the, they haven't defined that yet, Rick. So you're right. I'm glad most of our listeners don't know what a precursor part is because I don't either. And no one COJ. They're in the process of defining But it could be anything from a receiver to a barrel to a you know,
2: trigger assembly. Um, so wait, 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 we'll wait. wait. To... So they want to pass a law that they haven't even got the definitions down for so that the people would have the right to contest the law.
3: Mm, the law has already passed.
2: It passed last year. Right, but time. I'm saying they're, they're really trying to move it up, and they still haven't told us what it is. Just trying to point out how corrupt and stupid this is. Well,
3: and, and just exactly, exactly, giving us less time to this process. And then the third biggie that's going to really impact all of our members you know, because maybe some of our members don't want to buy that new type of assault weapon. Maybe some of our members don't worry about pre parts. But I assure you, this third part of this problem, the joint registration ban of firearms, is going to impact all of our members. So, huge concern of uh, banning like a husband and wife from both being listed on
2: the same firearm. So, I, w- I want to bring Joe in on this because I find this really interesting. So, folks, Joe Pender runs arguably one of the finest ccw programs reaching out to the community everything he's working with other sheriff's departments up and down and i know here in san Bernardino county and riverside county you have two of the most outstanding sheriffs um, out there you know one of the things that i want to make sure people realize is to the level everybody's trying to work together to put more ccws in californians hands and this joe seems to fly in the face because as I understand the current laws here in California, my wife and I um, might, especially during COVID-19, end up having the same exact type of pistol, obviously different serial numbers. And uh, you know, one could be in her nightstand, one could be at my nightstand when we go to sleep, but I go out to, to publicly speak, I'm not at home, and at one o'clock in the morning, there is the break-in. You know, the thing that I fear the most in the world that would happen when I was not there would to help my wife out, home invasion robbery, And according to this, if she picks up my firearm, because it happens to be what's closest, defender life, she's going to be fine. It's me that's going to be in trouble because I let her use my firearm, which, oh, by the way, folks, if I died, it's her firearm. It's community property in California. If we went to get a divorce, which we'll never do, but if we went to go do that, it would also be community property, could be argued. Joe, what's your take as the guy who runs the CCW program in a county? about if something like this was to get signed in by the governor? It really affects everybody. Um like you said California is a joint property
4: state. Besides being a joint property state, there's actually laws on the books that allow you to share weapons amongst your spouse, your grandparents, and stuff like that, as long as it's not infrequent. So this is the perfect scenario. Um if you ask DOJ how you can jointly register a weapon, they say I don't know. <laughs> um so typically, you know, what we refer to is 2780 on the PC about joint spousal or using their weapons together. Um, one thing people aren't talking about either, though, is what about granddad taking his granddaughter out hunting? You know, they're not necessarily be sitting right next to each other. It might be 10, 15 feet. If you have a game warden come up that doesn't understand the concepts of the Second Amendment and stuff like that, it could be potentially their parents getting arrested for
2: a grandfather taking his child out, okay, child out. Yeah, I think, I think this is something that we need all of you out there paying close attention to because, you now if you just look it up initially, like Roy said, this is going to look like a budget bill, but the devil is literally in the details, in this detail alone, just this third one, if you want to ignore the other two, which we don't want you to, but if you did, this is the one that is going to impact everybody, especially all you new gun owners. This is them trying to make it so confusing. And, and I want you to really look at how diabolical this is from our legislature. At a time that they're defunding law enforcement, at a time that they're telling law enforcement to take longer, you know, don't try to get involved, try to find other ways. This is when you are in peril. This is when someone has broken your home. They're coming after you. And it's like the law in California is aiding and abetting the criminal to come after you, the law to buy you. And nobody, I'm not trying to be funny, but nobody's going to pick up their firearm that's next to them in a panic and read the serial number to make sure it's the right serial number firearm that belongs to them specifically when you're trying to defend the life of yourself and your loved ones. And so, you know, they, they seem not to care about the, the person with the illegal firearm and illegal everything coming at you, but they want to make you part of the crime. And this is why we need you out there, because we got good people like Joe Pinder and others throughout the state. They're not the ones doing this to you. This is the people that we have voted into office doing this to us. And they're doing it, as Roy said earlier, during a time that the governor clearly, not once but multiple times over multiple weeks, said the legislature was only going to deal with things related to COVID-19 or regaining the economy here in California as a result of COVID-19. Neither of these bills that we have talked about today have anything to do with that. And these were both gutted and amended as emergencies. So what is the COVID-19 emergency? There isn't one. What is the emergency for the budget? There isn't one. And we're going to be talking to you some more about this in the next segment. But one of the things we're going to be showing you is this is happening at a massive multi-million dollar crisis in this state. And it's not the only crisis we're facing. And we're gonna show you where the ball is being dropped. And we're gonna point you in the direction of where you need to rise up and you need to have your voices heard and you need to push back against this Senate and Assembly and the governor's office and say, enough's enough. Because it's not just us, but it's the resources that we have for future generations that are in jeopardy. And we can't tolerate this anymore. We have fine people like the gentleman on this phone call to work around the clock and have given the majority of their adult lives to defend your freedoms and to defend your way of life, but not just for you. They're looking multi-generational down the road, and we need you to join us at crpa.org to do the same. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
5: Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. AM 590,
0: the answer.
1: This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by CCW Safe, by Philip Neyman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management.
2: Spartans! Spartans! down your weapons! Persons. Come and get them! Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. This is Rick Travis, your host this weekend. I am the development director for the California Rifle Pistol Association, filling for in for my amazing hunting buddy, Mr. Phil Naiman, your normal host. And uh, well, I don't know how normal, but he is your host every week. And, uh, Phil and I often talk about all the things going on when we're not on the air in the world of hunting. And this is a wonderful show because a little bit about the gentleman on the show, Roy Griffith is not only the amazing California Rifle Pistol Association lobbyist defending your rights all the time, but he is also the former assistant chief for the Department of Fish and Wildlife here, spent his majority of his career as a game warden and leading hunter education. With us also is Nick Villa, who also worked For the Department of Fish and Wildlife is one of their top wildlife biologists, and then Joe Pender, yes, he works for Solano County Sheriff's. Yes, he's constantly out there working with people on CCW's, but not such a big secret. Joe is an outstanding hunter and takes his kids out to hunt and is passing on that tradition. And then, of course, there's myself who I also hunt, have raised hunting dogs the majority of my life, and. I'm um, higher education instructor, and that's why this is so important, because during this time period, we have a major budget crisis caused by all this connected to COVID-19. Um, you know, things like field railways that go nowhere, uh, all sorts of other malign programs. And in the Department of Fish and Wildlife, we have watched it begin to become decimated. And when I say that, you know, it's not the people in the department. Those are some of the best people in the world, salt of the earth you know, from the chief on down, but what are they being done to them is they're being retasked. 70% of them are being kept at home during COVID. And that's rumored to be as far out until April of 21. We have people that have been reassigned to handle marijuana issues and not wildlife issues. We've got people being reassigned in the department to go run around and, uh, check to see how COVID's being spread, which again, is not a wildlife issue. And, uh, this comes as the year opened up with a major disease on our borders called chronic wasting disease. It goes after deer and wildlife, and basically makes them look like I'm not trying to be funny, little deer zombies. And we said, well, hopefully we can stop that. What else could happen? And then we found out we have in our elk populations in Northern California a hoof disease that rots out the the um, deer and elk hooves. And then you know, as I reported with Phil a couple of weeks ago on the show. We ended up with rabbit hemorrhagic fever. Um, it's basically like, like Ebola for jackrabbits, cottontails, and every other form of bunny or hare in the state, which is sweeping the state. And then just reported this week, we now have deer hemorrhagic fever, which would like deer Ebola. And you got to realize these are diseases that can wipe out you know, 70 to 90% of the population of any given species. And so, Nick, I'm going to throw this to you. First, because it seems like we have a very small department for a very large state, and I know I hear from game ones. You hear from Roy all the time of how they just didn't have enough wardens in the field, and I also heard from you and other biologist friends we didn't have enough biologists in the field. Now with a lot of those people locked up in their homes, how do we how do we control something like this? Well, actually, it's near impossible when you look at. Uh,
6: The one unit in the Department of Fish and Wildlife that monitors these kinds of diseases, there's only three or four people. And you're looking at a state of almost uh, 40 million people and, what, 150,000 hunters uh, with a tremendous amount of uh, wildlife, you know, half a dozen people to monitor any potential diseases and any kind of uh, uh, other kinds of invasive species,
2: Uh, it's near impossible. Yeah, that is one of the things that, you know, as I look at it, how valuable are not just hunters, but people that mountain bike, hike, ride horses, off-road, et cetera, to reporting these things? And how would they do that to help the, the state fight back? Because this is another way that I see people can get involved.
6: Well, you know, one of the most effective management tools that we have as biologists in the department, at least when I was working, is is the hunter and the the avid outdoors person? Uh, they provide us, head providers us with with a lot of information. They're the first line of of uh, detection in a lot of these kinds of viral uh, diseases or any kind of anomalies, health wise, and wildlife that that uh, befall us. And we we use them as as our um, sounding board. They they can tell us what's happening out in the real world. There's what what do we have. Uh, Several million outdoors people, including hunters, fishermen, um, those kinds that uh, can report these kinds of things, and so they're useful in, in reporting whatever's happening out there. And we need to use them effectively as as a management tool. In fact, one of the things that uh, some people have talked about is using the hunter outdoors person, much like we use the Amber Alert, and re- use those peoples to to report what's happening and then have an alert system, whether it's on the cell phone or even on the, the highways, that something's happening and report it immediately, and that will help stop the spread at least, or at least help manage this, the spread of uh, viral
2: diseases. Roy, you as a warden have both worked down the field, managing people in the field. What is your take on all of this? Because I don't remember a time as a hunter that we've had so many diseases all at once.
3: You know, I I just want to give a shout out to the wardens now. The wardens passed and the, the great biologists the department's had in their boots, like Nick, to say no. I couldn't tell you how many commission meetings I've been at in my 30 years around the department where various entities came to the department and said, we'd like to have an elk farm. They can do it in Colorado. They get to do it in Wyoming. We want to have a deer farm. We want to raise deer, just little bandies for the commercial market so People can up, obtain their deer steak without having to put their boots on and, and go nearly kill themselves in the woods like Roy, Rick, and Nick and, and Joe do, you know. But for years and years, the farmers said no, and not only no, but hell no, because they based their decisions on science and they knew it wasn't safe to box up a bunch of servants in a cage where they were rubbing noses to noses. And that's exactly what led to the to the huge explosion of chronic wasting disease. And other diseases like this is when you take critters and put them in pens beyond the way nature intended them to be housed. And, you know, as much as people will say, uh, California is crazy and has all these rules, when it comes to rules like this, the department drawing the line in the sand and biologists just like Nick saying, hell no, that's why our state is still free of, of this hideous, disease that impacts service, you know. So um, hats off. It's, we got to toe the line. We got to, you know, we got to get the word out there. And we've been very good about helping the war just by being active on our webpage. And again, to what you said earlier about CRPA just doesn't stand to protect the Second Amendment. We stand to protect California's incredible wildlife resources and keep them around for generations to come. And we've had numerous posting and leave- on our webpage about don't bring deer into the state and around, you know, so hats off. It's working. We've got to keep it working.
2: So Nick, you know, say Joe and I finally get to do a hunt together and we go out and we, we're going to cross trails where rabbits and, and, and deer have been, and it could quite possibly be since I'd probably come up to his neck of the woods because it's more beautiful than where I live. Uh, We're going to cross areas where some of these animals that are infected may have been. What can we do to protect the wildlife and the animals at our homes when we return? Well, first, let me kind of digress a little bit and give you
6: one of the other effective management tools, and that's information and education. Um, Get yourself in the know. Read any information that the various responsible agencies publish, uh, CDFA, uh, Food and Agriculture, and the federal government as well as well as uh, California Department of Fish and Wildlife. And understanding what you need to see is the first uh, thing you need to do. And if you detect um, the symptoms and whatever you're hunting, whether it's deer or rabbits, report that to the, your local uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife officials. If you have the website, you can go to the Wildlife Investigations Lab, let them know. Uh, like you said, there's only six people in that unit, but once they get the information, at least they can alert other people throughout the state to, as to what we might want to do, whether it's quarantine, uh, eliminate uh, or perhaps uh, implement some sort of a closure to not spread the, the disease any further. But uh, again, the first first uh, effort is to, to be, understand what it is you're looking for. So be aware of the symptoms of the what's called RHD or, or
4: rabbit uh, virus. you know, Just be careful and know what you're looking at. Nick, I wanna jump in on that real quick. You know, if you see something you don't quite understand, if it seems suspicious with the animals, on your way out, let the local ranger station know. Absolutely. Because they can go up there and get an idea what's going on.
6: Yeah, and be aware that many of the diseases have very similar symptoms with each other, you know, a sickly-looking animal, loss of fur, uh, droopy ears. Uh, you know, they, they're not afraid of you. You can walk right up on them. Uh, you know, uh, seeing a sick, sick animal is, is easy to spot. And whether it's uh, uh, CWD or RHD, RH, you know, report it and uh, get the officials that need to know
0: uh, aware of what's going on.
2: We'll be right back with more here on Firing Line
0: Radio. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW safe on your side. am 590 the answer
1: this portion of the firing line is brought to you by vortex optics vortex the force of optics
0: Hold on. what is best in life to crush your enemies
2: see them driven before you and they hear the lamentation of the women that is, good. that is good welcome back to firing line radio with Rick Travis, the Director of Development for the California Rifle Pistol Association. And we were just discussing the last segment, all the different diseases with wildlife throughout the state. And uh, we're going to be looking at a couple of other issues and then finishing up. So first, let's go back to Roy. Roy, in this last segment, I promised you I'd let you talk about an important uh, piece of legislation that you wanted to touch on. So hit it.
3: Well, we've been talking a lot about wildlife and, and folks exercising their right to hunt. And and one big bill of concern that just completely illustrates California's arrogance to the rest of the world is Senate Bill 1175. This is an ugly bill we beat two years ago with a veto from Governor Brown. And Governor Brown vetoed it, saying it was unenforceable and against the law. And that's Senator Stern's attempt to keep Californians from hunting in African nations. You know, hunting is a viable tool of wildlife management to keep populations in, in check with habitat. These animals are harvested legally and lawfully in African nations based on science. But Senator Stern has the nerve to get up and testify that hunting is bad, this is evil, it's going to lead, lead to the extinction of these, and I'm, I'm saying this carefully because I don't want to mislead any of our listeners, these endangered species. Well, none of these species are endangered. They're doing well. They're thriving. They're thriving because of this land is available and it's kept in, in excellent condition by land managers over there. It's, these harvests are based on science in Africa. They're approved by their governments and they're approved by our federal government to bring these animals home. And guess what? Stern brought that bill forward again this year, identical as it was last year. Then guess what happened in February? Along came COVID. Well, he put this big, giant COVID ribbon around it, trying to make it COVID related by including wet markets, an entirely different argument, entirely different set of facts. And he's trying to sneak this little thing through to. to say, well, you can do whatever you want to do in Africa, but we're not condoning it here in California. And it just angers me to hear him say we're not, because you know what? All of us on this phone call, as well as our thousands of members throughout California, are part of that were, and we're not going to stand for it. We're going to fight this bill to the end. We have a united coalition on it, but boy, I tell you what, I encourage all of our listeners out there to call in their representatives And call Senator Stern, but more importantly, their representatives, and tell them not only no, but hell no on SB 1175. Because, again, really have less than 400 wardens in their boots out there protecting our wildlife. This bill will take warden away from protecting our precious resources to go out and write somebody a ticket for having possession or bringing into the state an animal that they legally and lawfully harvested in another nation. And uh, we it's just pathetic. I mean, I could go on forever, but I don't want to take up all the time. But it just makes me angry. The arrogance, the sheer arrogance of this senator.
2: And, And, Roy, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, kind of wrapping that one up, just realize, folks, even if you don't hunt, there's people on this phone call and others out there in the audience that have purchased things that animals didn't even have to die, like an elephant hair bracelet is worn by a lot of hunters. Those would be an illegal item if this bill gets passed, which is absolutely ridiculous, because those monies go to support the people there, as well as those wildlife programs that Roy just talked about. But the CRP doesn't only fight for those kind of rights. We're also always fighting to increase the availability of CCWs. And I just want to do a big shout out to Sheriff. Tom Ferrar from Solano County, and Joe Pinder, who's on the phone with me. Yesterday, we did an amazing event. Uh, Joe was the architect of this event. It was great. It was called the 2A Day. We were able to bring people together, be COVID compliant by state rules and regulations, but bring people together to help them to understand how to use their rights as CCWs, to make sure they have the best training, to make sure they have the best of everything. And Joe, why don't you tell me a little bit about that event? So we hosted our first ever 2A day.
4: Um, we made sure to practice social distancing, face mask wearing, and all that fun stuff. But we're just getting an opportunity for like CRPA and Gun of California and United States Concealed Carry Association to have a platform to reach our permit holders and whoever just wanted to show up and provide them information on, hey, this is what's going on. This is what you can do. And better themselves along with the community understand there's groups out there that will assist them with their process not just necessarily like legislative actions but for the training and um, education
2: we was and very I successful think, i i just want to say i think everything you've been doing up there has been amazing you have an amazing sheriff that's working with you and like i said to the audience i mean you guys have amazing sheriffs down here in both San Bernardino and Riverside County, who we love to work with. But this is a a way that we can push back and maintain the culture of gun ownership and safety and and making sure that people realize we're supporting law enforcement. And uh, that's critical during these really, really rough times. And Joe, you're, you're just amazing, everything you do up there. I just, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate it. One thing I also want to encourage people to do is if they live in a jurisdiction
4: that doesn't issue CCW, have that conversation. Reach out to the sergeants and the lieutenants and the chiefs and the sheriffs and just have a conversation. Don't try to start an argument. Just have a conversation. Build a friendship
2: and let them understand there's good people out there that are trying to do the right thing. I couldn't say that any better. I think that's where a lot of this stuff is, is we got to push back because – People in those different agencies hear the same stuff from the media. And sometimes, just like the rest of us, they fall for different sound bites we all have. And this is how we fight back. Nick, I want to come back to you and uh let's close this off. So, you know, Joe and I are out, we're we're doing this, you know, hunt with Roy and everybody. We're all having a good time, and we happen to walk through some areas that may be carrying um, disease, how do we prevent this from A spreading and B from exposing other wildlife? You know? and for me, as I said earlier, you know raised with dogs and stuff, I remember when parvovirus virus made the jump to you know, dogs, our own domesticated dogs after they 'd been in the wild, and you know dog kennels up and down the state and throughout the country were decimated, and still something we vaccine against. Um, how do we help try to prevent that from happening?
6: Well, remember, there's the four major things that you need to do. The first is disinfect. Uh, if you know you've come into some level of exposure, clean everything. Wash your dog. Wash your, your raptor. Uh, uh, Launder your clothes. Wash your hands. Much like COVID-19, clean everything and disinfect as much as you can. The next is to uh, prevent further contamination. Don't transport anything that's has been exposed. Don't be... Uh, allowing your, your rabbit or your dog to touch the ground in areas that have been uh, exposed. Um, and, and don't uh, always plan on, on, on any kind of travel that uh, make sure that everything is clean before you do so. Um, number three, to um, implement uh, any kind of unnecessary uh, contact with other people. Uh, don't expose yourself to anything more than you have to and then four is uh educate yourself and report uh any, any symptoms that you see to to the um uh, the responsible authorities and uh talk to other uh, hunters and fishers and outdoors people in the area and make sure that they know what's going on and and spread the word not the disease
2: now that's an at some point that's what we need all of you to do on all these subjects That we've been talking about today from the legislation to the issues with diseases to the games people are playing that are going after your rights and not just your second amendment rights but those that it protects in the first and that is we have to educate people we have to do what joe said so eloquently we have to have open calm conversations with people because the second amendment doesn't belong to one party it belongs to the people We, the American people, and we need to be having that conversation. We need to push back and say there's a lot of disinformation out there. This is about law-abiding citizens. And we have seen during these tough times over a million people in this state alone, many of them were not gun owners who have become gun owners because they realize how important this is. We have seen an increase in people looking for hunter education to provide good, holistic, quality meat over the past year to their families. This is what the California Rifle Pistol Association, this is what people like Nick Villa, Roy Griffith, Joe Pinder, myself, and a whole host of other people from groups like the CRPA, Gunners of California, various sheriff's departments throughout the state fight for every day. And and none of these people that I have on today or the people that I work with, like, hang it up when they leave their, their workplace. These are people that live it 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. That put everything forward and are supported by their bosses and their leadership so no matter what the left and the media throw at you to say we're finished we're not finished we're expanding we're fighting back and Phil Naiman is a wonderful partner along with Vince Torres and his gun store there at Bullseye Sports in Riverside we are all fighting for you stay tuned and as we always say be safe shoot straight and fight back for your rights.
0: Shoot, Felipe. Shoot.
2: When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk.
0: The
1: Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. AM 590, the answer.